You'll no doubt have seen that over the past year or two, I've been surrounding myself on this podcast with people who share a similar passion and enthusiasm for the city. And, and when I was thinking about upcoming guests, there was somebody that I had in mind who I could argue matches my enthusiasm for the city. And it's Aaron Law. He is a historian, a photographer. He is a international gig attendee. And he's joining me today on this episode of The Cough Pod. Aaron, a pleasure to have you. Thanks very much. And we, we share the passion and the same name. I know. So. The correct spelling of Aaron as well. So double A-R-O-N, it's the correct thing. We, we've suddenly become known as like the two Aarons in the city. So perhaps we've got a, a future of being the city's Anton Depp perhaps. It could happen. You never know. So let's get started then on your history in the city. Um, you born in the city and, and kind of, I guess, what your love for the city came from. Yeah, so yeah, born in Walsgrave Hospital, like most people. Um, uh, went to school, lived in all over the place, really. Started in Stoke, Wykin, Orsley, so really across the city. Uh, went to Cov Uni and have stayed since then uh, and work in the city centre now. So um, yeah, it's been a, a lifelong sort of attachment, really. Um, I haven't managed to leave. Um, and I don't know where the, the passion is. It's, I don't know, it's, it's one of those things that I think when you are from somewhere, it's good to learn about it. And uh, unfortunately, the more I've learned, the more I've got stuck into it. And uh, I've gone down a rabbit hole of, of COV-related projects and, uh, and fun, really. Most people I speak to are employed to have this passion for the city. Whereas this is obviously something that you do yourself. Um, how I know you get, and I'm sure we'll go into some of the projects you're involved in. Um, how do you take it? Obviously, you have a day job and kind of juggling your love for the city with your day job. Yeah, that's it. And I think working in the city centre helps, but um, I think attending lots of events started it off, I think. Trying to see what was actually happening, what was going on already, and then getting involved. And then it just sort of spiralled from there, really. And once you're involved with something, you keep attending, you see the same faces, the people running these events, um, and you just become more and more involved. You know, I've become a member of the Cov Society um, I'm a member of the C20 West Midland Society and it's all sort of built up from there uh, really just attending things and then becoming more involved and, and you know that's been really big over the last couple of years of City of Culture and all the other various things mm. that's happened Has that been something that you've just naturally kind of grown up being like or was there a specific moment where the kind of things changed and you had to choose towards City? I actually I think I probably grew up disliking it like when you see most of the comments online you, you get but um, when you spend so much time somewhere, you can't just hate on it all the time. You can't, it, otherwise you may as well just go um, and find something else. So I tried to find the, the positives and it was actually working with lots of people not from Coventry uh, and realising I had nothing to say uh, that got me into this sort of uh, historical voyage of trying to find out as much as I could. Um, and then it's, it spiralled into being able to deliver tours if I had to you know so it's it didn't start it wasn't a lifelong thing it, uh, it's built up over time I think from being in the uni being here every day onwards you, you kind of have to get used to it and learn about it and know about it because you're dealing with people from all over the place and if you've got nothing to add it doesn't sound very good if you've lived somewhere your whole life I think it's, it's similar to me I didn't grow up particularly you have this weird underdog city uh, civic pride in being from Coventry but I couldn't ever say that I really kind of loved the city in the way that I feel that I do now um, uh, do you think we have a challenge with promoting or have historically I know you're younger than me but not too much younger than me have we historically had a problem with how we promote Coventry to young people I think so I think 
a lot of the stuff I've picked up over the years, you, you wouldn't have gone through in school. Um, I think we, yeah, we've always had this issue of just trying to promote what we already have. There's so many things that we do have. Um, and, you know, not just the cathedral, which is obviously an incredible space, but all the other historic buildings, there's so many that rival any medieval city. Um, but we've just never had that uh, drive until recently, you know, organisations like Historic Coventry Trust have, you know, completely transformed over 20 of those. Um, I just think over time, growing up, I don't think a lot of these places were in the sort of psyche of the public. They were just closed or ignored. Um, but they're some of the best examples in the country. Um, and then all the post-war stuff, you know, we've got a great story to tell that other places do. Plymouth and Exeter and other um, Southampton and other sort of bombed cities have a similar story that um, we've got a lot to say about what we did after you know, rebuilding and what we tried to do. Mm. I think it's something that I tried to do, I'm sure I've said about this on this podcast before, about with my books. When I was younger, I thought we only ever learned about the Blitz. It was the thing, I remember the book clearly, or the front cover of the book, I'm sure it's the book that most young Coventrians have seen. It's black and white cover, red writing about the Blitz. Um, and there is so much more to celebrate than something that was done to us in the Blitz. And it's not all just has to be, as you say, war-related. It's the stuff that's come out after. You are somebody that promotes the city. Are you talking... I know you do talk to people about the city all the time. Do, do you try and interject when you hear people talking about the city? Yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, always trying to get involved with, with conversations and things. And you're right, it's it's not just about the Blitz. Yes, my grandparents lived through it. And um, yeah, my granddad lost his house on that night. And um, there's obviously a connection there. There's a, there's a thread from that time. But... Um, there's much more to carve than Lady Godiva and the Blitz. There is a whole, you know, it's a thousand years worth of stuff to tell. And uh, we, we do barely scratch the surface, I think. And that's, I think that's why I try and um, steer conversations around that. You know, if, if I do hear visitors lost or confused or want to know something, happy to get them on the right track. <laughs> so you touched upon the work you do. Um society for example um, you've been somebody that's very protective over kind of historic Coventry and um, what kind of fuels that side of it I think there's always yeah there's a danger if, if you you can lose things really easily and then they can't go back you know I think if you don't see the value in something it's easy to destroy or remove um, and you know there's been loads of good projects of enhancing our buildings and doing all that kind of stuff which is great I think it's good just to learn about what, what we do actually have there's some great examples of things that if they're ignored you go well on the outside it doesn't really look like much but there's a there's obviously a story um, and I think Cov Society you know they've been around over 50 years of, of sort of looking out for buildings that maybe um, are neglected or lost um, and they've got that wealth of knowledge of you know how a lot of these plans were put together so it's interesting to be involved with that kind of stuff to be honest just from a learning point of view mm. I guess one of the examples has been the William Mitchell mural and um, the boyard uh, and you've done some work to try and kind of preserve and protect that um, alongside the work that's going to be taking place at Citizen South kind of obviously I know how much you have affection for for that work why is it so important to protect yeah, I mean, that is a, that's a funny story in itself, the William Mitchell stuff. So, I mean, for listeners, most people know the Three Tons mural in Bullyard. That's a listed mural that will be saved. Um, and I think most people listening will also agree City Centre South is, is a positive move because, you know, that side of the City Centre needs looking at. There's no doubt about it. It's been 15 years in the making. 
my view has been trying to save the artwork and trying to um, take the best bits of what is there um, outside of the buildings that will be lost um, and use them again. And um, William actually wanted to see the, the work in Hartford House um, a number of years ago, but because the building's been shut for over 20 years, um, nobody knew it was even in there. Um, so, so this isn't the one that's on three turns, is it? This no, is the no. one that's inside... You have to remind me where. Hartford House, yeah. So three turns at the bottom of the street. And then if you look up Hartford Street, you'll see the fiberglass panels he did along the side, above the shops, above the glass canopy. And if you stood pretty much by the Phoenix or by the yard, you can look up the street. There's that sort of ugly concrete um, office at the top, uh, which has had many uses over the years. I think its last use was NTL, actually. Mm -hmm. um, it's still got purple and green branding in the lobby when I went in. Um, but it's been closed for decades. and. There's, a, there's another mural that's 28 foot long by about 9 foot high that he drew in the wall in plaster uh, of the history of the city. So in my view, it's, it's probably more important than the listed one because it's actually got things people recognise. It's got spires on it, Lady Godiva, Leofric, uh, Jaguars. Um, and he, yeah, so it's, he drew it on the wall and it's on the wall and it's been hidden behind a plasterboard wall itself for the last three decades. Um, but we got access to that thanks to the council for um, sorting that out and the developers of the scheme have taken it up to um, try and get it out um, and they've done loads of stuff. They've scanned it with drones, they've got 3D models, so if all else fails they can actually print a new one, mm -hmm. which is a, an idea of like printing a resin one that could go outside. Um, but it's a big piece of work and they've actually done quite a lot over the last year to try and sort it out and that's been my campaign is, is no one even knows it's there. Um, but it could be a real asset if we can get it out. Mm. So the, the three turns mural, um, I remember you saying around some of the complications is it, it's built on wooden boards, is that correct? And then kind of moving it, is the potential is there, there's damage that could happen at that time. Well, that one's eight tons, that, that relief, and it's double-sided. So if anyone's ever been in three tons when it was a pub, you'd have seen a different pattern completely on the inside. And more recently, as a chicken chop, um, it had... To, it unfortunately been painted and um, it's had all sorts of stuff done to it and recently there was a fire so actually the inside is a bit of a mess um, but it is double sided and I think it's it's built on board so they reckon they can just lift it out but obviously 8 tonnes of weight yeah. is um, quite hefty um, and it's been sitting there since 1966 so moving anything that's been there that long is obviously a big challenge but they've you know to be fair they've had a look and it's it's got to be done it's listed um, and the developers are on board to save all these works actually over recent months they're, they're well on board for saving all the public art so I know that the brutalism side is something that you have a particular interest in why Why? I'm sure people will say it's grey concrete blocks what, what is it about brutalism that, that really sticks with you? well I think Cobb's blessed with it's not just the brutal stuff I mean a lot of that's gone I mean people will know Civic Centre 4 and Coventry Point They've, they've already been demolished, the big tower blocks. There's very little of that left, actually. But it's the earliest stuff. It's the sort of Scandinavian modernist precinct we've got. You know, that is listed, thankfully. Um, that's the first part of the, the rebuild. And, the, you know, these are high-quality materials. There's a lot of thought put in. Um, the whole place was really well, you know, designed uh, originally around the, the pedestrian, which now we take as a given, but at the time was... Um, it was world first, you know, European first, actually, pedestrianised precinct. And then the subsequent architects took it on and used the modern designs of the day. So then the brutalism 
came a bit later, 60s and 70s. Um, but I think they were trying to push forward. I think that's what I like about it is it's using modern ideas at the time to try and make a better place for the city. Um, and that's what it was about. Is It's what can we do um, in this post-war period to make a more utopian place. Um, that was definitely the idea behind the precinct. It's based on a ancient Egyptian city, Amarna. Um, funnily enough, at the time it was dug out in the 30s when they were designing it. And a lot of architects at the time took um, influence from this because uh, they found that rich people live with poor people. There was flowing water through this town that they, they dug out in Egypt. And it, it sort of brought up all these ideas of how you could make um, city centres more about people and um, friendly to, to the shoppers. Um, and there's a little bit of evidence of this for people to go and have a look at. There's a hieroglyph um, on one of the columns at the top of um, Broadgate. So if you go and have a look, there's a golden hieroglyph and uh, you can see the, the reference. Uh, it's been there the whole time, but you may not even notice. Do you think as a city we're good at preserving art, monuments, buildings, etc.? I mean, that's a, it's a good question for places all over the country, really. It's, it's, it's always maintenance and, and keeping hold of this stuff, but there's loads of things that have changed around and moved and, and you know, had new lives. I mean, Nyad's a great example, George Wagstaff's work in, in the precinct. She's been all over the place over the last 70 years. Um, she's had about three different sites. Um, thankfully, she's back out now, but uh, there's countless other things that are in storage or have been lost. Um, and I, I think Coventry's probably better at it than other places for listings and protecting things. I think there's um, you know, a swathe of things across the country that have been lost. And at least we try and, where possible, you know, sort these things out. Um, but there's always more you can do. You know, I'm, it's, uh, I, I would love to see more public art. I think that was the whole point of the city centre. If you, people will hark back to a time when there was you know, public art on every street in the city centre. Um, and appreciate that's not always possible, but um, the more the better, I think. And I know that's something they're trying to do. Well, I guess another way that you're trying to preserve art uh, in the city is through your photography work. Um, I think even the time that I've known you, I feel like your photography has kind of come on leaps and bounds in, in that time. Um, tell me about your photography and, and why you, I guess, enjoy it. Yeah, I think that links to it, really. It's, it was... I like documenting where things are today and what, what, what they're shaping up to be. So I think it started probably a number of years ago when a lot of this work began of documenting the state of play today and then where do we get to? Um, and since then it's sort of, it's, it's become more of a thing by capturing you know, events and working with Historic Country Church, The Beard, um, City of Culture to capture what they're doing. Um, especially like the historic stuff. I mean, working with the Guildhall and the Historic Country Trust to see what work they've done in the buildings they're looking after is incredible, really. Um, go and look at Charterhouse. You know, when I first went in there, you know, 10 years ago, compared to today, um, look at the pictures I've taken. It's, it's incredible difference, really. And I think they're all a good record of what's happened and um, promoting the city in a, in, a, in a good way. I think that's ultimately what I try and do is... Um, what can I capture that, that promotes us in the best way elsewhere and beyond um, and it does work I do talk to people in other countries and they do say you know it looks like it's worth visiting and 
that's a positive. Mm. Um, and I just like to, you know, so many things to capture. Um, it's sort of an endless thing, really. There's, there's en- endless sort of landscape changes and buildings and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, there's quite the, there's quite a thriving photography network in the city. Um, there's, there's a, a, it wows me some of the stuff that people take, whether it's yourself or Mandip or Mark Pemberton, that are capturing the city in a in a way that people didn't think our city could be captured. And um, I guess it's photography is an opportunity. It feels like it's something that you would work in silo, but to connect with other photographers. Yeah, so I help run, I guess, Coventry, the Instagram account, and we share a different post from somebody different every day in Coventry and Warwickshire. And that can be taken on a phone, on a camera, on anything. And that's the joy of it, is there's no limitations on what, you know, how much how budget, you know, conscious you are, whether you're just using a 10-year-old camera phone or the latest camera. Um, and I think we've had a... We've you know got over eight thousand followers, I think, and it, it's it's pretty good to see the sort of um, variety of things people go out and do. And there's loads of people, and we have meetups, and we work with you know different organisations to get footfall in. And you can take ten or fifteen photographers who all capture something different. Um, it, and it, it really is good if you look at the tags. It's Argus Coventry. You can see just the sort of array of things that people post, and they're not out for themselves. It's just sharing what they're seeing each day you know it's not monetary value it's just what are they doing and what are they finding um, and I think that's great you know there's, there's hundreds of people that take part um, and you know can harness that and promote the city mm. all the time to be honest well I guess an example of that is the work that you currently have on display at the lower precinct um, perhaps give us an idea of how that project came and how people go to the, the precinct at the moment and they'll see your work up on there yeah, low precinct. So they put a call out out on social media, I think, earlier in the year, and they were just looking to cover TJUs while it was being developed or whatever they wanted to do with it. And they asked local people just to send in anything they do creatively. Really, it wasn't just photos; it was um, paintings and three D models. So if you go down there, you'll see an array of things. And I just picked out. I don't know, 15, 20 images of Carve over the last, probably they're all over the last year or two, uh, just completely different things. So you, it, that there are modernist things, like there is a picture of Three Tons Mural next to a picture of Coventry Cathedral, next to a picture of Charterhouse. Um, you know, so there's, there's stuff over the last thousand years in an array of 20 pictures, uh, which I, I was aiming for. I'm glad they, they, they picked a good mixture, actually. They, they just sort of used... They didn't have a theme, it was just whatever, um, which is nice. If you go down there, you can see a whole host of, they're all COV-related things and all the other creatives, it's all COV-based people, all they went to COV Uni, um, different landscapes and things. So it's a good way to dress the shop while they're deciding what to do with it. Um, and then the downstairs, there's games for kids, so they can uh, play, spot the difference and all that kind of stuff. So do you have any advice for photographers or building photographers that are there of how they can keep an eye on the opportunities that come up? I guess there's, there's various opportunities that you've had over the past few years. Um, how do you keep an eye on the, the work that's, or the opportunities that are, that are there? I think being active on all the channels and things to get yourself involved or tag the relevant organisations like us in Igus Coventry so your work gets shared amongst a large group of people. There's loads of community groups online that love seeing all this, you know, on Facebook and things, and loads of Coventry-related groups. Um, I think that's the best way to do it, is keep posting and building up what you do if you love doing it, uh, and people will pick up on it. 
pretty quickly online. Mm. That's the way it tends to work. And you see Coventry as a community that, that encourages newness in terms of new people. And I, I have seen that firsthand myself when I first started doing etching pin. There's a, there's a wealth of people out there that do want to support people that are trying to, I guess, support and promote our city. Yeah, I think so. I think um, there's loads of loads of community groups, actually. The more you look at it, um, across the city doing great work across the board. Um, so if you've got an interest in anything, there's probably a group you can join uh, or a charity or something. There's lots going on. And again, it's one of those where you need to look into it. Um, you have to delve in and try and find it or make it happen yourself. Um, yeah, there's always something. It's just we're maybe not as good as uh, promoting smaller things that are going on. Mm. Um, but if you like doing something, there's a good chance there'll be other people that do it. 350,000 people, so there's going to be a way to express what you're doing creatively somewhere. Mm. So I know, as well as Coventry, one of your overloved is music. Um, and as I touched on at the beginning, you travel the world to see various bands and, and attend gigs. How about you just tell me a little bit about kind of your love for music and, and some of the stuff that you like? Yeah, I, I suppose you can't be from Cobb and not like music. You know, the, the, every time I walk past the library, I think of the specials. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Over the last sort of 10 years, I've travelled a lot. I follow The Cure around the world and Depeche Mode. Um, and it's a good way of travelling and then also taking pictures. So I take my camera in any city I go to and I can capture you know what culture they have to offer as well as going to a gig um you know i've, I've seen the kill nearly 60 odd times over the last 10 years around the world um it's been incredible and then this year i got to take pictures of them in america and i did uh, the uk uh, leg last year i did wembley and leeds which i'm not a professional by any means for a magazine or newspaper or whatever but i had the opportunity to do it and it combined all the things i've been doing over the last few years of capturing different things and events and also my favourite band so um, it was incredible experience really don't know how I'm going to top that um, but I still keep travelling and doing lots of gigs it's sort of a weekly occurrence in the country um, debating if I should do one today or not but um, it, it's constant really it's a good thing to do you can go and meet different people you connect over the same thing you know you've got, all got a passion for the same music and with the internet these days, you can be friends with hundreds of people and have never met them. But if you actually turn up to the gigs, you can meet them and they are real people, not just pixels on a screen, which is amazing. Right. You and I have had these kind of conversations multiple times and, and the questions that I normally ask you are kind of were around my head. I'm going to ask them some of them uh, again. First one, I remember me saying to you, why do you see the same band so many, so many times, particularly on the same tour? So there's some bands that I'll see each time they tour, whereas you'll see sometimes every gig in that tour. Um, how, how are different gigs different when it is the same band in the same tour? I think the places are different. So, I mean, The Cure changed the set list, so I've seen 150 different songs over those 60-odd shows. And uh, each place is different. It's a different vibe. Each country's got a different set of fans and the way they react. It's just a good experience, I think. I like travelling around, even in the UK. You know, if you've seen a gig in London, then you go up to Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, wherever, Glasgow, you can always get something different and you're find different things to do different art galleries different coffee shops so there's always it's a different vibe altogether um, and you'll 
end up meeting people that do the same thing or different people that, that join the tours at different stages. And it's just a good way to, to travel around, really. Evenings are sorted and in the daytime you can do other things. Uh, I mean, I'm doing all the UK Depeche Mode shows in January. So that's two weeks of sitting in the car and driving around the country. And yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. But then I've added an Italian date because I just think they're big over there, be a good place to go. Um, and it's just a good way of traveling. I, I didn't travel anywhere until I started doing gigs and things. So yeah, it's mad. And then I think we have questions I've asked you before and no doubt your phone only comes out and your app that tells you who you've seen the most. But who are the bands that you've seen the most? Yeah, well, The Cure, definitely. And then The Twilight Sad, because they've supported them on two tours, so by default they've <laughs> been they're up there. But they're worth seeing on their own and um, it'd be great if they could play The Empire because they're, um, they're about that sort of size. Um, and then Depeche Mode, OMD, seen both of those over 10 times. Um, lots of things really I think I've seen probably I've probably been to like three four three or three hundred gigs maybe from probably hundred different artists I mean like you said I've got an app I can tell you but um, yeah it's been a, a large number over the last decade yeah. the specials featured quite prominently didn't they yeah the specials as well um, I did all the the, the cough shows and the, uh, all the cathedral shows in 2019 those four that was amazing um, and even last year, actually, just on the, the last few shows Terry did, I was at Rochester and Birmingham uh, and Bedford last year. So again, I'm glad I did it uh, because, you know, you might not get the chance again. Um, that's another answer as well. You, you never know when you can't do this yourself or the artists stop. Um, so, yeah, it was good to see them over the last few years. And, you know, they're iconic, really, aren't they? It's, it's amazing. Went to the Rico uh, CBS show mm. a couple of years ago amazing amazing so it's always always a special time and um yeah those cathedral ones were amazing i mean it, it, it ticked every cough box really you stood there with two thousand people in the most iconic space in the city with the most iconic band that we've created that around the world they love them you know i go they, you know a bit to america they they have the specials day in la in may and they give them a reward and they've got, you know, they have, it's a big following around the world and we're very lucky to be connected. So before I let you go then, what's coming up over the next, I guess, months and years? There's a lot of regeneration happening in the city. Is it something you're closely keeping an eye on? Always. My life is reading planning applications and uh, seeing what's going on. I guess the, the next thing is University Square. That's taking shape. People listening used to remember Alan Berry building. That's the university demolished that. And George Wagstaff, who did the Nyad and Phoenix, amongst the sculptures around the city, has a, a massive bronze tree, Phoenix tree, going right next to the cathedral. Um, it's about 18 foot, I think. So it's his biggest work. Um, and he's been working for 70 years. And that'll be unveiled in the next month or two. Um, there's, uh, and then all the other stuff. I mean, it's, it's sort of uh, endless at the moment. And city centre itself will be enormous and just keeping an eye on what happens there and that will be in, into the next year for looking at the plans and what they want to do. And the developers have been great on talking to the community and, and, and especially dealing with me on the artwork stuff and other people. Um, so I'm hoping that, that people can see the value in what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, then all the events and things, there's all sorts that happen. And I think, like we said, looking at what Historic Coventry Trust are doing, the Guildhall Cathedral, they all do stuff all year. 
Um, we just need to look at what's actually happening. Um, and, and place up the literary building. You know, there's like two events a day in there while it's open. So if people are in town, there is something happening. There's, so there's, there's stuff actively happening all the time. You just need to, to look and um, there'll be something you can see that you've not seen before. Good stuff. Aaron, thank you for your time. I do appreciate it. Keep bringing that drum of the city. And uh, no doubt I'll see you either walking around town as we normally bump into each other or some kind of event. But I appreciate your time and thank you again. No, thanks very much. It's great. So you've already heard from Aaron about a number of things that were upcoming at the time when we recorded. And obviously now we're in February, so a few of those things have happened. So I thought it'd be nice to kind of recatch up with Aaron to actually take a bit of a closer look at some of those things, namely the Phoenix Tree, the Peshmo tour that Aaron's been around the world, and then William Mitchell Mural and, and how what was or potentially would have been in plans actually are in plans. So I think we'll try and keep this to 10 minutes and maybe catch up on that stuff. So let's start with the Phoenix Tree. So I've just walked past it now. And you talked about your excitement of that at the time. But go on and how's that been over the last, what, month or so? Yeah, so I think when we, we caught up originally, it hadn't yet been uh, positioned outside by the cathedral in University Square, where Alan Berry building used to be up until last year. Um, but as of middle of January, it's now in place. And as of a week ago, it's now got lighting. So it's it's finished. You can go and have a look. And um, I went to the unveiling in the middle of January um, and George Wagstaff was obviously there explaining the work and the university were there to sort of explain the project and what they're trying to do. And um, I think the garden really does look great. And the, the sculpture, you know, with the cathedral as a backdrop, it's fantastic. And uh, lots of different angles and things to look at when you stood with it. Um, and eventually in the summer when all the plants come up and the trees start uh, blossoming, you'll, you'll really sort of picture the scene really well. Um, and it's a great piece of work. I mean, it's it's enormous, to be honest. It's uh, I think it's over 12 foot. So um, when you're there, you can definitely notice it if you come out of the cathedral. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's finally up. Well, it's surreal that the um, university building was there. Like my, my wife was with me when we were walking past and she says, it's crazy to think there was a whole building there and now that's not there. Um, and I, th- I think that's the thing with it. You were saying to me that it's his biggest piece of art. Yeah, I think it's one of his largest commissions. Um, I'm sure George will uh, will message in if not, but um, it's it is a pretty substantial piece of public art. You know, compared to Phoenix and Nyad that you can also see in the city centre, it's um, it's it's bigger than those, and uh, you know you you can't miss it. To be honest, I mean that makes sense as it is a tree type sculpture. Um, but yeah, it's very substantial. You can't miss it, and with the lighting at night, you'll be able to walk past at all hours of the day and and see it. Um, it's fantastic. Well, check out Aaron Law Photography. No doubt you'll see. I've seen lots of photos of uh, different times of the day. Uh, I, li- I think it, even on Facebook, just as I was on my way in, I saw some photos that did you put on yesterday or today um, of, uh, at night. For you, what makes it special and something that you want to take photos at different times of the day, etc.? Yeah, the lights. I mean, you can... The light hits the sculpture and obviously buildings and other things in different ways. So you can stand looking at the cathedral at nine o'clock in the morning and summer versus winter, and you get a completely different vista. Um, and I think the sculpture in the landscape at different times of the day, you can get a completely different scene. Um, and I think that's the, the point, really, is there's so many angles and bits of the work that wherever you look at it from, um, you can capture something slightly different. 
Um, and it goes with the spires because you can see Trinity and St. Michael's behind it and you can sort of weave the sculpture into the skyline a little bit, um, which, you know, people will be doing for the next 50, 100 mm-hmm. years, hopefully. If, if people wanted to find out some information about it, obviously I know that I'll probably put it on the spot. Do you know, if, is there a place where people can go to find out more information about it? Yeah, I think the Compton University put a, a press release on their website explaining it in some words from George and Michaela, who wrote the poem that's on the plaque. Um, so that's worth a look as well. It really sets off the work and you can kind of get a feel for what, what, what they're trying to convey with it. Um, and just go and have a look because, yeah, Alan Berry was a pretty substantial building mm. next to the hall. But, you know, I had my first lecture in there and now it's a park. So, mm. um, yeah, it's funny how it sort of changes. Mm. So let's go on to Depeche Mode then. So obviously January was your thing that you were looking forward to at the time. Um, how was it? A good tour? It was great. I did five shows over the last week and a half and um, managed to get up to Glasgow, uh, Manchester, London a couple of times and Birmingham, which was nice and easy. Uh, it was great. You know, I'm, I'm, I've still got one more to do in March in Italy and maybe some others, but uh, no, they, they put on a great show and uh, it was nice to be back doing sort of arena shows it had been a few months since that uh last time so uh, no it was, it was great fantastic taking um press type shots or were you there as a fan there as a fan it's it's very tricky dealing with pr teams um i think my next bet at doing photos would be for omd in march i think there's a there's a chance i might be able to do a couple of their shows which is uh which is nice but no depeche mode it was very much um if you're not a newspaper then you're not doing it oh, okay and uh I am sadly not. You're not a newspaper. No. So the question that I've asked you tons of times in the past, I think I might have even mentioned it on the, the previous podcast or when we recorded um, a few months ago, and I said to you, why do you see the same band on the same tour more than once? And you said, well, it's always different. They'll play different set lists. What was different between the gigs uh, for Depeche Mode this time? I think they did. I mean, they don't normally change it, but they did change it a little bit, actually. Um, but also you go to a different place. You know, I, I like going to Scotland. It's a good excuse to go to Glasgow. Yeah. and have a look around. Um, I like going to Manchester, obviously London. So they're good excuses to go down and see things. Yeah, Like even in uh, London, I went to go and see another William Mitchell, yeah, okay. in, in one I hadn't seen. So yeah, okay. I combined, you know, going to a gig, morning after I go for a wander and go and find some artwork or something, some, yeah. to take a picture of. So it's a good way of getting around. L- lastly on then, we'll talk around the William Mitchell stuff. So there were two parts of it. There was the first part, the Three Turns mural, and then the second part was the the uncovered um, mural that was inside the building. That you, you'll tell me. What's the progress on those two at the moment? Yeah, I think when we last spoke, the plans hadn't yet been submitted, and then in December they were. So you can actually go and have a look um, at the planning documents now. And Three Turns obviously is listed. It's getting its own mini pavilion building uh, next to the market. Uh, on Rover Road, where Iceland is at the minute, or what was Iceland. Um, and the Hartford House History of Cov Mural, well, a replica of that is going outside, uh, also by the market, on Market Way, where sort of the end of the current sort of new paving and, and precinct work to, is, um, it's going to go on one of the buildings. One of the first buildings they'll finish, actually, I think it's one of the social housing. So you better see the full nine metres of that on the side of a building. But you said replica? Yeah, so the, the it has to be a replica to go outside because okay. the one inside would disintegrate. Yeah, it's yeah, made yeah. out of like plaster. The saving of the original is actually still being discussed. So okay. that's that's down to like method statements and costs and how you're going to okay. do it. But there will be a full size replica 
that's been scanned and will be put outside yeah. regardless. And when we say scanned, is that a, a model still or is it an image? Is it a print that's going to be, what, what actually is the replica, do you know? Yeah, it'd be a 3D print. So okay. it'd be like resin. Okay. It can be outside. Um, but they've scanned it within like 0.1 mil of the yeah. original. So it'll be exactly as it would be today. Uh, but we are built to withstand the rain. Um, but to go along with that, also the fiberglass panels that he did and the concrete panels on the side of Hartford House have also been scanned and they're going to go on the buildings that will be in place of them. So there'll be like motifs okay. of what we've got today along Hartford Street. So you'll still see patterns and things that you've seen before, but in new buildings. Okay. So yeah, it's interesting. And it is the worry because they're putting so much work into the scanning that means that they're going to see it as the, the original is a bit more disposable or do, are you hoping that they'll still have the same desire to try and re to keep it so that so the original's preserved yeah it's getting somewhere to put it nine meters long it's quite big but i think they've got to work it out to to get it out and, and do you know do you chop it up can you get it out in one piece it's so big and it's so fragile i mean it's less than two inches thick and it's plastered onto chicken wire so okay. it's quite a mission yeah, yeah. but they have had like experts look at it people who've got bankses off walls and things so okay. it's um it's had all the right people okay cool and then before i let you go anything else that we didn't talk about i know it's been a few months anything else interesting what you got on the pipeline at the moment again more gigs and things um always lots of different photography things happening things start kicking off in lots of cult venues um you know there's all something going on guild hall cathedral that kind of stuff um, but no, I think it's just, uh, waiting to see. And also to be, to be fair, there's more going on in the precinct since actually the, if people walk through the city center now, they'll see the lamps and the balustrades on upper precinct have been replaced to look like the festival of Britain fifties lamps, but the Broadgate side is being done as well. I read that literally two nights ago. Okay. Um, and there'll be some wood paneling to replica the, the, the fifties teak sort of oh, yeah, wood I think I, on yeah. the sides um yeah. that will be going on broadgate and the precinct so okay. you'll it'll be finishing off the the precinct really over the next sort of six months so you'll you'll see that unfold as well so that's quite interesting because i've been hoping for that for years good so thank you for meeting me with me i think i'm glad, glad that we did the kind of this extra bit i think it would have almost felt out of date if i'd have released something that was a few months old so yeah so i appreciate it thanks very much it's great